0: All right, uh, halfway point of the season. Okay, uh, we're obviously not happy with where we're at as a defense. Um, We've set very high expectations for ourselves as a coaching staff and as a group. And uh, obviously to this point, we haven't met them. Uh, We're still going to relentlessly try to reach those expectations. Uh, We're looking forward to the, the remaining eight games, especially this one coming up against the Cardinals. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock
1: and Nick Winkler.
2: Thanks for joining us, everybody, on Gold Faithful. I'm Brian Peacock. You can find me on Twitter, at BD Peacock. My co-host, Nick Winkler. You can find him at Bay Area Wink. We have our favorite guest joining us today on the podcast, Matt Barrows from the SAC B. We're going to talk to him in, uh, oh, about 15 to 20 minutes. But uh, we have a little bit of news to get out of the way. And then you heard Jim O'Neill there. 49ers defensive coordinator at the top. And I believe, uh, I don't know if hot seat's the right word, but where <laughs> where I don't know. Where do you think we're at with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, they can't keep going with this, right? I mean, this is a historically bad defense at this point. And the pace that they're on right now, I mean, they're going to break some records or at least, you know, take a few to the wire come the end of the season. Points scored against and, you know, rushing yards allowed. It's It's unbelievable. What, what's happening every single week? We watch this team and it's just, <laughs> they, they can't stop anybody and they they can't stop them on any drive. And, you know, when it does happen, it's like, oh, thank you for that. You guys dropped a ball. So now it's, that was on third down. So now we're going to get the ball back. But, you know, if you would made that catch or if you had actually just handed it off, which other teams should be doing <laughs> yeah, what, every play, I, I don't even know why teams pass. I mean, I can see why, defense.
2: I can see why the Saints with Drew Brees would throw it a right. lot and he had some uh, success through the air as well. But yeah, why would any team even? worry about throwing the ball at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and the schedule is, I mean, where, where's the win in here? You know, at Arizona, home against the Patriots, at Miami, at the Bears, Jets at home, at the Falcons, at the Rams, home against Seattle. I mean, I guess there's a few in there that, that are possible, but – yeah. There's there's nowhere to go but down, I think, for this team. <laughs> i well, like e- to say there's nowhere to go but up, but where where is it? Where's the bright point?
2: Yeah. Speaking of the schedule, even the teams you think were okay, you know, that that's a, that's a winnable game. That's a, that's a, it'll be a tight one. But you have Miami, who's got Jhi running for 200 yards a week. All of a sudden, right? Um, you've got the Chicago Bears, who have Howard now, who's taken over and looks like uh, he's legit. So if they're not stopping anybody yet, why would they stop those two guys on the ground, right?
1: Right, and, I mean, you you can keep going, too. I mean, the Jets, Matt Forte looks like he's, you know, been rebirthed there in New York, and the Falcons obviously have that two-headed monster. The Rams, I mean, Gurley didn't do much week one, but, uh, goodness, at L.A., towards the end of the season, horrible 49er defense. I I could see him running for a lot of yards. And you you mentioned the hot seat for Jim O'Neill. He's got to be, right? I mean, there's no way you can keep a guy like this around after a season like this, right?
2: No, absolutely not. I, I didn't think you would be able to keep a guy like that around through the bye week. So right. um, I think he's, he's outlived his job already, um, you know, and similar to where Trent Baalke's at. Uh, and speaking of balky, I guess we should get this stuff out of the way first. The news, Eric Armstead officially shut down for the season, which I was going to come on the show and say shut him down already, but yeah, that's right. it. So he's been put on IR, and he's done for the year uh, with his shoulder injury. So hopefully he comes back. He showed some promise, you know, up-and-down player, and I think he's going to be a big part of the future. He's going to have to be. So hopefully he'll be back and 100% starting in 2017. And now along with rookie corner, Will Redmond, uh, that ACL guy, one of Balky's team ACL members, tore his ACL last October in college. And uh, he's on IR now too, and he won't have a rookie season.
1: I just feel like that last clip that you just said with the team ACL, You know, we, we could have used that same clip how many times last year? Oh, you yeah. know, We could have just cut and pasted.
2: It, it's unbelievable and i think that's pretty much it's bulky's legacy now and it's yeah, become a it joke is. i mean it's long arms and it's team acl and that's what bulky's <laughs> going to leave behind and all, all the stuff all the good fuzzies and and warm and fuzzies that happen with with uh, super bowl caliber 49ers teams are not going to be associated with trent Balky, and
1: no. you know and that's that's what you get that's, yeah i mean that, that's what you get for taking so many chances and you know that's the thing about swinging for the fences is sometimes you you strike out and he struck out more than than he hit home runs, uh, no so yeah. It balky's gone, O'Neill's gone. Uh, I mean, you hear all the rumors about Chip Kelly possibly leaving for college. I, I don't want that to happen. I want to. I want another year of Chip Kelly. I want to see if he can make adjustments. You know, if he can. You know, kind of, kind of have a chance with the new GM. Maybe he gets a little bit more say in the player personnel. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to see that going forward.
2: I mean, I have no problem with him drafting offensive personnel. I mean, I think Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz are fine players that he drafted over in Philly. I think his big problem was he let too many really good veterans go, and I think he probably learned that lesson is you want to hold on as much talent as you can. He comes over here to the 49ers, has even less talent, and it's, it's tough, man. I don't care what scheme you run. It's tough when you've got no bullets.
1: Well, yeah, and it, it's not just him, you know? I mean, look at what Frank Gore is doing in Annapolis right now. You know, I mean, he, he's one of my favorite 49ers of all time. Yeah. And I, I understand why they let him go. You think, oh, I got this young guy in Carlos Hyde. He's shown flashes of brilliance. And Gore's reaching that 30, you know, years old, which is when they pe- people go downhill at running back. And he's just not, you know, it was just another bad decision on Balky's part.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not the only ex-49er veteran that's doing well on other teams. But it's funny because Frank Gore might be the reason that Trent Baalke doesn't care about torn ACLs. Frank Gore tore his ACL twice at Miami and against all odds came to the NFL and, and lit it on fire, really. And what's amazing about all of that is that he's played more games than Carlos Hyde has since he left San Francisco. Right,
1: Right. Oh, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, we, you want to talk about Carlos Hyde for a bit? I mean, when do you shut this guy down? I mean, it's, it, it just seems like week in and week out, he, he's got a problem. And then when he has that problem, he just can't get back on the field. Dewan Harris looked fantastic. Yeah, okay, it was against a really bad Saints defense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he looked quick. He, he looked so much better than Mike Davis, so much better than Sean Drone. I mean, he, he definitely, I mean, maybe we bring up Kelvin Taylor and give this guy a shot. This team isn't going anywhere. Now's the chance when you t- test these young guys out. You spent yep. these draft picks on these guys. They're on your practice squad for a reason. The the starters right now aren't doing anything. You know, they're not That's, getting anything done out there. Now, now's the time. Make some moves.
2: That right there is the biggest indictment of, of Trent Balky and the 49ers roster because uh, how good of players like Dwan Harris and Jeremy Curley, even Ja'Cory Shepard returning kicks, uh, these guys coming off the scrap heap, they don't look any worse and sometimes better than the week one starters, the guys that Balky used all offseason to bring in to think these are my guys this is the core of my team and there's players that were on the scrap heap that look as good
1: or better yeah that, that wouldn't even make most teams in the nfl and they come to the 49ers and and they shine A bit, too. It really just shows you the lack of depth and just the lack of talent. And I don't know why
2: this isn't very surprising with Dwan Harris. He did the same thing last year and started earning a lot of touches at the end of the season. And in the preseason, you could tell he's one of the few running backs the 49ers had with a little bit of juice. Right. And it seemed like a perfect person to to be the number two to Carlos Hyde, because you wouldn't want a guy a little more athleticism, kind of play a little bit of that. um, The role that Darren Sproles played for for chip in Philly. And by the way, Darren Sproles is also Whew. another old guy along with Frank Gore that just keeps plugging along, man.
1: Yeah. If you guys kind of go, go against the trend there. Oh you man, know? Unbelievable. And, yeah. I mean, you see this too much, you know, where they're like, Oh, well, we got to play the numbers here and you got to do this and you got to do that. And I don't know. It just seems like every, every time bulky tries to play something right. He, he doesn't, he just loses one
2: really quick positive uh, looking back still. To that last Saints game. Actually, Wait, there's positives? No, actually, uh, you know what? I came up with two positives. I forgot okay. about the other one. All right. But number I mean, one, positive. Tom
1: Kaepernick's first half?
2: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That's number three. I mean, it yeah. the second worst defense in the league was the Saints. So those were the right. two worst defenses in football on display. But that's it's better than not doing well against a bad defense, right? That's so a good th- point. you're supposed Probably, to beat up yeah. on a bad defense, and they did. So that was good to see maybe give uh the offense a little bit of and especially Colin Kaepernick, a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of confidence going into to next week and, and the rest of the season. But uh here here are the two main things that stood out to me on the positive side of things was the end of the first half, the defensive holding penalties by the 49ers DBs basically tackled the receivers mm-hmm. and uh left four seconds on the clock. The Saints already in field goal range, so it didn't really hurt them there. Uh, gave them an automatic first down, but they had to kick the field goal anyway. So basically what you did is you took every opportunity of them to score a touchdown on you away and forced them to kick the field goal.
3: Smart play. Uh, smart
2: play. That was awesome. Yeah. That was great. So so good job coaching staff. Some forward <laughs> thinking there. Similar to you remember in the Super Bowl when when uh, the Ravens were holding the 49ers and in that whole thing? Of course. So yeah, this wasn't the Super Bowl unfortunately, no. but the 49ers <laughs> got a little payback on somebody. A similar Almost idea. Almost
1: the farthest thing from the Super Bowl. <laughs>
2: That's right. And Mike Davis great like unbelievable awareness to fumble the ball at the goal line. <laughs> he knows the 49ers need to lock up that number 1 draft pick. <laughs> Probably the number 2 draft pick, actually. And uh, 49ers were getting precariously close to tying that game. So, Mike Davis, you get a 99 awareness.
1: Hey, the Browns can still win a game. Come on. That, that number 1 spot is still this available. Is, it's still this up is, for grabs.
2: What sucks about that is the Browns have to win two games because the 49ers oh, are most likely going to lose the strength of schedule there with the Browns. Um, I mean, it's not 100% lock, but most likely that'll be the case. And so it's going to be very difficult for the 49ers to completely lose out and the Browns win two games. And that's probably what will have to happen.
1: Here's what they have left, the Browns. At the Ravens, home against the Steelers, home against the Giants, home against the Bengals, at the Bills, home against the Chargers, at the Steelers. I think home against the Chargers might be the only chance for them, right? Because the Chargers historically can't travel east for that 10 a.m. Sunday game. Oh, it's a Saturday game, too. 10 a.m. Saturday.
2: Oh wow, okay. That's it's that's a, their best chance for sure, yeah. If yeah, looking yeah. at that but I don't
1: too. see I don't see them winning. They have a few home
2: games. home games. Uh you know, home games in the NFL uh, I'm in a pick 'em league and that's pretty much where I'm making my money is home home dogs. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's where the money is made, I think, in NFL betting, where you're just when you're picking teams because uh those home underdogs it's the NFL. I think Vegas gives home teams three extra points. I, I think home field advantage in the NFL right now is worth more than three points, especially in certain stadiums.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know if Cleveland is one of those stadiums. Yeah, but...
2: <laughs> and I don't know if that's one of those teams that could even take advantage of that. I mean, how many right. points do you need if you're Cleveland or the yeah. 49ers at this point? But those were my two biggest takeaways. But yeah, and it was good to see uh, Colin Kaepernick put up some points. And, uh, it was. Especially and the...
1: with Kaepernick, it, it looked the same. I've mentioned this a couple of times. It, it looks like he just gets tired, you know, and especially in this game, because he threw so much and he did so much in the first half. You saw a lot of those ground balls coming out in the second half. You know, a lot of a lot of the skip passes.
2: He gets out of sync. It, he's got that long delivery, and sometimes his legs and his arms just aren't in sync like you see a guy like Drew Brees. Compact delivery. His body is just always in sync. And I and I do have to say, Brees is fun to watch, man. He is. He's so he fun is. to watch. The precision, uh, it's doctorate-level stuff. You know, it's a doctorate thesis with the Saints in that passing game, and he's got some really good complementary receivers. Michael Thomas looks like he's... Going to be a hit there as, you know, the bigger receiver next to Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed's one of the more underrated receivers in the league as the number 3 guy. Really great trio of receivers there. Uh, But, man, Breeze throwing those back shoulder throws.
1: uh,
2: By comparison, the 49ers are freshman year community college term paper, you know, versus (laughs) what what Breeze and the Saints offense is doing there. So coaching plus a veteran quarterback, they've been together for a long time. They're just – I mean, they are just clicking. Uh, If if that New Orleans team could ever put together a defense – Right. I mean, they could go far because Breeze is they amazing. I love watching though. him play. Yeah, they I mean, can't for whatever reason every year. They try. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, so, you
1: know, one of the main things I love about Breeze, too, is just his size. Because I met him once and we're, we're the exact same height and we have very similar builds. And so when I watch him, I'm like, that, that's what I would look like. Yeah. Out there. That about was the passing and everything. The yeah. Accuracy, if, the, the strong arm. I mean, everything. If Drew Breeze had zero talent, but the same size, he would look exactly
2: <laughs> like Nick Winkler out there. <laughs> so okay, let's let's get back to the defense a little bit before we get um before we get Matt Barrows on the phone. We, here.
1: Have we, we have to, we have to because so bad. This
2: is the well, I have a couple of sound clips here, and this is the theme of the season right now because the Forty ers don't have any personnel on offense to do anything. They have they're missing some personnel on defense, and now they're down Eric Armstead, uh, obviously. But they sh- they've have more talent still on defense. They've spent so many draft picks, so many young players should be. Stepping up here, um, and the step back they've taken from last year with basically the same personnel is what really bothers me. But uh, let's hear what what Antoine Bethea had to say when reporters asked how the team felt about losing. You know, I can't really sit here and tell you uh, what another guy feels. Um, I can just only speak for myself. So I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know everybody in this locker room is is pissed about this this losing streak. Um, you know, we work hard every week. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that. I, I can't
0: agree with that statement that, you know, guys aren't upset about the loss.
2: And I, I got to agree, it doesn't look like there's a lack of effort right. with the team. I think there's times where they definitely look tired because they're on the field a lot. But it's not def, it's not a lack of effort, which, which is a good sign for both O'Neill and Chip Kelly that, you know, on both sides of the ball, they're still trying. It's just they're... They're just barely treading water, and then obviously a lot of people are calling for Jim O'Neill's job, as have I. And mm-hmm. Chip Kelly has this to say:
0: "No, I, I think it's it's everybody's fault on the defensive side, you know. And I think we've got to do a better job of putting our players in position to make plays, and that's everybody. That's that's all of us. That's me. And It starts with a head coach, so I don't blame one single person for it. You no,
1: know, you can't blame one single person because if, if if you watch the game and you actually see the plays, everybody on that Forty Nine er defense when they're getting blocked is getting pushed backwards." You know they're not getting any push for it. On a run play, it's just backwards, backwards, backpedaling, getting pushed back. It's there's just you can't be mad at these guys because they just don't have the talent unfortunately. You know it's just it's just not there. Right. They're getting s- outmanned each and every week by NFL offenses and you mentioned the junior college thing. I mean they're they're looking like they would be a division 1a team going up against, you know, a division 1 team.
2: Right. No, that's that's what it looks like right now and that's what happens when you have guys who are either underperforming their draft position or, you know, uh, the other, the one thing about coaching that I don't want the 49ers to be that team where it's just a revolving door. Cause you can never get good if you have a new coach every year. Yeah. So you're you, exactly right. you have to find guys that are good coaches that you believe in, let them coach up that team for a while. That's one of the reasons why I don't want to see chip Kelly gone. Uh, and he deserves at least one more season. And I think if he drafts a quarterback, he's going to need an extra year after that, even cause you need to develop that quarterback. It's almost going to be a three-year situation, and who knows if Jed York would even be willing to pay another coach to not be here. So Chip Kelly's probably going to be here for three seasons. That's my guess. And and if he doesn't turn around by then, he'll definitely be gone and maybe not finish that third season. But I don't think you can even fire him after next year because he's going to have to develop so much new talent that's going to be brought into this team. But back to the defensive side of the ball. So uh, Jim O'Neill... Let, let me just go – here's some stats. and This is where – these are the raw numbers of what this team – and if it looks like a historically bad defense to you as a 49er fan, that's because it is. Uh, Jeff Dini from Poe Football Focus, a friend of the show, he posted some numbers here from PFF. The 2016 run defense for the 49ers. Base defense they're allowing, 4.3 yards per carry, which is not good. But that's not – you know, 4.3 is not crushing. It's not soul crushing. Right. This is where they're getting killed is nickel and dime where they're playing more often – yards per carry allowed.
1: That's horrible. Yeah. You just, you can't survive in the NFL like that.
2: 7.6 is like what Alabama does to, you know, (laughs) one of their (laughs) tune-up games in week one of the season. Right. Uh, Some more stats. According to Elias Sports, 49ers are the first team in NFL history to allow 100-yard rusher in seven consecutive games. Uh, No other NFL team has allowed more than three 100-yard rushers in a game this season. So the 49ers have doubled wow. that more than doubled that. And that's consecutive or not. And this is all yeah. consecutive after that week one win. And also the 49ers have this is these stats are from Nick Wagner of ESPN. Uh, the 49ers have allowed more than 240 rush yards in three straight games. The rest of the league has allowed a total of two such games all season.
1: That's unbelievable. But it and yet it's true. I mean, if you watch these games, it's totally believable. Yeah.
2: Yeah that week one tease. Yeah, Well, speaking of week one, here's another good comment uh from Matt Barrows me and Matt. Matt had a couple of uh exchanges over Twitter and Matt Barrows posted that history awaits, 49ers are on pace to give up 520 points, which would trail only the 1981 Baltimore Colts for the most ever. And uh one of our followers there, Brian he said, "Too bad they had to go and shut out the Rams in the first game." And I didn't even think about that. <laughs> if you take that game out of it, because you're going to count that game over the season, and that's a zero. I mean, that's right. crazy. So over that other, oh, if you don't count that, I don't know what the Baltimore Colts of 1981, their best game was of the season. But if you take their best game and that 49ers shutout in week one, it's probably a lot closer. The 49ers might overtake them if you if you count 15 yeah. games. I doubt of they
1: threw a shutout.
2: Yeah, it is – Wow. So, it's historically bad, and that's where the 49ers are at right now. So they have the worst skill position personnel on offense in the league, and that's counting teams like the Cleveland Browns. And their defense is historically one of the worst teams ever on that side of the ball. That is not a good combination.
1: And Brian, you know, we're we're talking about this. We know how bad the 49ers are we watch them week in and week out. We at first it hurt a lot. Now it's just like, yeah, OK, all right, I get it. Let's let's keep losing at this point. But what what really makes this sour and what really makes this hurt? And it's kind of like the lemon in the open wound is how good the Raiders are doing right now.
2: Yeah, I, know I have that. so
1: many Raider uh, friends that are Raider fans and it's just oh, man, they just cannot shut up about it.
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's been weird, but my whole life, this is the first time you can really honestly say, "Man, you're really jealous of what's going on on the other side of the bay <laughs> right now,
1: right?" Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since 2002, and they lost that Super Bowl, and they've been they were historically bad for a really long time. They were, yeah, and now you know they, but you can see what what can happen when a general manager actually you know does good things. You know, he actually drafts well, and he spends money wisely in uh, in in free agency. I mean, Reggie McKenzie, what he did when he took over the Raiders is it's been fantastic.
2: Oh, and he's hit on so many great draft picks. So you got Mac, yeah. who was a first round pick. He hit Derek Carr. You get a franchise quarterback in the second round. I mean uh, Cooper. Amari Cooper is mean, amazing. They brought Crabtree over from the 49ers who's looked like an awesome compliment to Amari Cooper there. Aside from their secondary, they needed to figure out what's going on with their cornerback position. But aside from that, man, that team looks really good and such a statement victory beating the Denver Broncos last week.
1: Yeah, I mean that that offensive line looks fantastic. I mean, obviously Derek Carr is the real deal. He's proven that week in and week out. And it it does hurt quite a bit to see Michael Crabtree doing so well over there.
2: The only thing you have now on Raiders fans is then you can tease them about Las Vegas, right? That's that's all you have there left you as a 49ers fan. <laughs> Luckily, yeah, you have a little it. something. There's there's a little carrot out there to dangle. But uh, <laughs> enough about the Raiders. This is not a Raiders podcast. Let's talk to Matt Barrows a little bit more about this 49ers team.
1: All right. He's our favorite 49ers beat writer. You find his stuff at SACB.com. Following on Twitter at Matt Barrows. Matt, thanks
3: for joining us. Anytime, guys. How are you?
1: Oh, you know, Matt, it's been a fun season, and this is a really fun podcast to do when the Niners look so good
3: like they did back <laughs> on Sunday. Tell me, how bad is this defense? The defense is um, is terrible. <laughs> 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 not, to, not to go uh, all Donald Trump on you, but uh, really terrible, really awful. Make this uh, defense great nasty. again. Nasty, as it were. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, it, it's... And, and you you don't see any respite from it because the most elemental thing is stopping the run, and and they can't do that. They they just cannot figure out how to uh, stop the opponent's running game, and and it's almost to a point where you just have to put all of your forces to do that, and and take yeah uh, you know take your chances with uh, being bombarded through the air because that's a dicier proposition for an offense than running the ball. <laughs> if you think you can you, you know, uh, chew off five, six yards a uh, carry in, in, the, in the second half, which is what opponents are doing, that's what you do. There's little risk involved in that. So until that uh, very basic uh, component of the defense is taken care of, it, it's, uh, it's very hard to see the 49ers winning any game this season.
1: Yeah, and uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on the show. Will Redmond, you know, placed on, on our, our another ACL guy.
3: Is that going to be one one
1: of Trent Baalke's legacies,
3: his miss? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if I think if he gets uh, gets fired at the end of the season, you know, that's going to be right up there. You know, uh, you know, not being able to find a quarterback, not being able to find a uh, a wide receiver, and then uh, this philosophy that you can. Gain a lot of value with an ACL player, it, it just has not borne any fruit for him. Um, you know, Tank Carradine is, is playing some, Keith Reeser is playing the most out of these guys, but Reeser wouldn't be in the game, um, you know, if uh, Chris Davis hadn't gotten hurt, if uh, Rashad Robinson um, hadn't gotten hurt. Um, Reeser would be on the sideline. So it, it's hard to see any example of bulky taking one of these ACL patients uh, around or maybe even two after they would have been taken had they been healthy, um, it, you can't see any benefit uh, from it. I mean, you know, the the bottom line, and, and I know that there are cases, Frank Gore being a, a major one and Adrian Peterson being another of ACL, ACL patients, um, you know, having great careers after their injuries, but... Boy, the 49ers' experience has been that this is, this is a tough, very tough, still a very tough, despite all the science, despite all the medical advances, this is a tough injury to overcome. And the 49ers somehow underestimate uh, just uh, the, the degree to which a, a player is going to be hurt by that, uh, it seems, year in and year out. Um, and uh, they keep learning this lesson over and over again.
2: Hey Matt, I was talking about a couple of positives that I took from this game earlier in the show and uh, at the end of the first half, 4 seconds left on the clock that defensive holding penalty, the 49ers uh, showed some foresight there. I kind of I like the thinking there by the coaching staff and I think it was you after the game that asked Chip Kelly about that and his quote was, "We practice all sorts of scenarios at the end of the first half and at the end of games." And he, yeah, he didn't he wasn't going to give you the answer you wanted, but you could almost sense a little smirk, a little devil's horns. Crawling out of the top of his head when when he answered that question.
3: Yeah, and and the players were more uh, effusive than uh, than Chip Kelly was uh, when when I asked them about that. Uh, Antoine Bethea said, "Yeah, that's that definitely something that we practiced that exact scenario." Um, I couldn't tell whether uh, Kelly was just being modest or whether he was trying to avoid scrutiny from from the league, from the competition committee mm-hmm. about that. Um, but um yeah i mean it it's a, a scenario where you know basically tackling the uh opponents wide receivers which is what eric reed did with the tight end um you know works out because uh, you know the 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 clock ticks down but uh you uh, i mean you you gain yardage with the penalty but the clock ticks down enough that um you really have no um option but to kick the field goal in that scenario so yeah it was a very kind of sort of uh Belichick type uh, type moment, I thought uh, when he did that. It's uh, you know coming up with a loophole, something that sort of outsmarts the opponent. Uh, Belichick and, and and Chip Kelly are, are buds from the uh, from New England, from the Northeast. So uh, I'm I'm sure that that's uh, something that uh, he took a lot of pride in.
1: So Matt, this weekend at Arizona, one of the best running backs now in the NFL, David Johnson, probably just. Licking his chops, the 49ers shut down Eric Armstead, uh, just what this rush defense needed. What can you tell us about uh, defensive tackle Chris Jones that the, the 49ers signed to, to fill his spot?
3: Um, really nothing. I mean, he was, a, uh, I think, a six-round pick in 2013, has bounced around uh, a few teams. He's got some quality snaps. I think he started uh, you know, uh, five or six games for the Patriots last year played um a, a little bit for the dolphins this year so uh at least he's he's been around and knows uh knows the nfl and um has some experience i i really don't know much about him he's not impressive uh from a a size weight uh standpoint he's he's 6'1", uh almost 300 pounds so um he may just be sort of a, a plugger guy but you know that that's that's what they need at this point uh they don't need any flash like i said earlier i mean uh easy to you need to concentrate on um you know filling gaps and and stuffing the run uh and not on on sacks and anything fancy like that and you know the forty ers to begin the season had a very uh complex and multiple defense and week by week game by game they've been dumbing it down and simplifying it and uh they're still making these very basic errors so um, I'm sure that uh, Jim O'Neill is, is quite frustrated by it. Um, he certainly is, and so is the whole staff. But, um, you know, there's it, 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 it really – I don't want to say it's hopeless, but um, they, they've done everything that they know how to do at this point by making it more and more basic. But the 49ers keep making mistakes, and, and, and frankly, some of the players that are out there right now aren't very good.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned it. There, early on in the season – Yeah, after week one, we came on this show and we were like, wow, Jim O'Neill, he can run some great blitz schemes. And this is this is good. This is what we like to see. And yeah, I've noticed that week and week after week, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm sure, you know, injuries has has a lot to do with that. But at the same time, I mean, if this continues down this path for the rest of the season, do you see a scenario where Jim O'Neill keeps his job?
3: Well, for for the season, yeah. I mean, um, at this point, I don't I don't know what they can do. Um, you know, Chip Kelly has been very loyal to his assistants in the past. Billy Davis was his uh, defensive coordinator in Philadelphia, and and he kept his job despite three very bad, statistically at least, bad Philly defenses. So Chip Kelly doesn't uh, make moves on his staff ever really since he's been in the NFL. So. Um, but, you know, if it continues like this, no. I mean, I, it, it's hard to see that. Um, you know, I, I think in, like anything else in, in life, this is a, a combination of things. Uh, the injuries that you mentioned, uh, a pretty young defense, poor drafting on defense, and a, a, a relatively inexperienced defensive coordinator. I mean, um, you know, we, we just had Vic Fangio here for a number of years, uh, I don't think Vic Fangio would, would turn this into a top ten defense by any stretch, but um, you know you look at his Bears defense right now, not a lot of talent on that unit either, and he's got them playing in you know in the middle of the pack. I think that's ex- that's about where the 49ers would be with a uh, you know a more experienced uh, defensive coordinator. I mean, look at that 75 yard run by Mark Ingram the other day. Um, yeah, that was because Quinton Dial. Was not in the right gap. Quinton Dial was drafted in 2013. He's sort of a young player, but he, he's been in the league for a while. Um, he shouldn't be making that mistake in week nine, and it's magnified when you don't have a lot of talent around you. Maybe he makes that mistake, and you know, in another season, and uh, you know, Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman is there to kind of clean up and or mask the mistake. There's nobody to do that now, but my point being that why, why is somebody who's in his fourth season um, you know, still making a very basic error like that, not kind of on the same page with the, uh, the ten other guys? Um, you know, you can blame it on dial, or, or you can say, well, the, the coaching staff should have had this, this uh, ironed out by now. These guys should be playing as one uh, when, when you're in early November in, in the season.
2: Yeah, I agree. There's so many things that point to the, the coaching that, you know, on top of the personnel that, you know, late in game, second half, they've been bad. Even in the first half, though, because you can't blame it all on the team being tired because they're on the field so much. The guys are running for 100 yards in the first half of the game. So it's not just that. But Chip has said he's not going to fire Jim O'Neill. And, uh, you know, he says the, the fault of more than just one guy. Is he saying that he would actually just like to fire the entire staff, but obviously can't do that midseason because you got to have somebody coach? I mean, the linebackers have been so bad, you're not going to promote the linebacker coach to defensive coordinator, are you?
3: No, I mean, uh, the other guy that they were looking at, at defensive coordinator, was uh, Jason Tarver. Jason Tarver is coaching the outside linebackers who have uh, three and a half sacks among them this year. These are your edge rushers. These are the guys mm-hmm. that you're... You're banking on to uh, you know provide the bulk of your pass rush, the bulk of your sack total. They've got three and a half sacks, two and a half are from Ahmad Brooks, and one is from Aaron Lynch. Uh, Eli Harold has zero, zero in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tank Carradine has zero, um, and uh, Ronald Blair really isn't uh, getting a lot of or, or any play at that at that spot. So um, you know it would be very difficult, I think, to. to, to promote uh tarver to that position when his position group has been as guilty as any uh as far as underperforming this season
2: matt you posted an article this week and just to put this into perspective where the 49ers are at this season and you talked about the 49ers have given up uh, they're on pace to give up 520 points which would trail only the 1981 baltimore colts i believe so, yes. what, and that's also with uh, somebody else pointed out on Twitter, that's with week one shutout on the books, too. So, with that in mind, w- can the 49ers get a win this season? I'm not talking about a, a victory on the, uh, you know, in the win loss column. I'm also looking for another reason to play this clip coming up in a second. But um, can they get a win as in become the worst?
3: Defense ever.
0: So I think we're gonna win and I think we're gonna win maybe substantially, but let's just see what happens.
3: Well, very uh very apropos clip there. Yes, um, thank you. yeah, I mean you start to look at uh uh the uh the remaining schedule and I think there there are some opportunities there. For certain, uh you know, they've already beaten the Rams. They play the Rams again. Uh and, and the Rams may have Jared Goff at at quarterback. I mean uh, by that point, it's, it's uh, the, the second to last game of the season. Goff hasn't been able to get in yet, so you, you, you sort of gather that he's not looking too good. Uh, so, I mean, that seems like a, a possible win. I think the Jets are playing, um, you know, I've gotten one of these uh, these schedule blips where they play on a Monday night and then have to go across country uh, to play the 49ers, so that should be in the 49ers' favor. But you know, again, uh, going back to my my first point, when you can't stop the run, um, it it just makes it it's so easy on the, on the opponent. Um, you know, when when you can bank on controlling the clock, minimizing turnovers, and um, uh, you know, keeping the ball out of the 49ers' hands, which is exactly what opponents have done. I think the Saints. Not, a, not exactly a ball control team. Held the ball for 17 more minutes than the 49ers did on Sunday. That's just absurd. You can't win games like that. I know the 49ers point to the, the turnover battle. Um, to me, you know, the, the time of possession is is, is the bigger uh, concern. I mean, the, the 49ers just don't have the ball enough to be able to kind of take over games and take over momentum. Uh, and the defense is logging a lot of snaps, more and more per game. Uh, so all, all of those things don't bode well as the season goes on. And, and those sort of attrition uh, fatigue issues become you know more of a problem.
1: He's the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. He's the official beat writer for Gold Faithful as well. Follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Matt Barrows. Matt, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. All right, anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Okay, we'll see ya. See ya. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we know it's a bad football team. and You know, Matt comes at us with uh, with a lot more insight when it comes to the coaching staff and the players and everything. And, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, th- this team may have a chance to win some football games later in the season. I wouldn't put any money on that.
2: I don't see how they get better. They're just losing players, and right. it, they're already undermanned as it is. So it's going to become more and more difficult, it seems like. But uh, I want to talk about something real quick that Matt brought up is a great point about the time of possession, and that was their best offensive output of the year, at least right. from, a, from a passing perspective for uh, for Colin Kaepernick and the yardage they put up on offense, and to still lose the, the time of possession battle by 17 minutes is crazy.
1: I don't think that they will ever win the time of possession battle with that offense.
2: Chip Kelly doesn't really try to do that, and he talked about that before the season. And actually, let's hear what he has to say about it.
0: We get into the time of possession question, and we've been in games where – it was identical play snaps for us and our opponent. It was identical yardage for us and our opponent. It was identical first downs for us and our opponent. We won the game by seven, but they had the balls for 10 more minutes than we did. You know, so all I learned is that they stand around better than we stand around. <laughs> you know, um, it still.
1: Plays. And you know, what? I'm with him on that. It's not about you know, quality. I've also it's never about met a defensive what are you doing that, says, with
0: that time? you know, coach, I want right. you to possess the ball for the entire game so I don't have to play.
2: This is a long clip. He you know, kept I, going.
0: I want guys that that on the defensive side of the football at the San Francisco 49ers can't wait to get on the field and embrace the opportunity to get out there and play. And, and when you have a bunch of guys like that, it, it doesn't matter. There are going to be weeks when we're going to win games seven to six, and there are going to be weeks when you win games 57, 56. Uh, it takes a full nope. team. Uh, This league is built on parity. 55% of the games are decided by 7 points or less. 24% of the games are decided by 3 points or less. So you better be good in all three phases of the game if you expect to be successful in this league.
2: Much longer (laughs) clip than I expected. Uh, He goes into some detail, and it sounds good on paper. It sounded great in the preseason, but it's not happening. No. And it's pretty obvious that the defense has been put in a really rough spot a lot of times, and there's times that they are definitely gassed. But... I don't think that alone is the reason they're losing these games either. So, And it's like I said before, that's why Chip Kelly's going to get another year is because we haven't really even seen what it looks like when the offense is firing. I mean, right now it's even worse because they're going a little bit fast, and I don't think they're going as fast as Chip Kelly would like them to go, actually. Uh, But that's not the sole reason. The the sole reason is because they're not doing anything while they have the ball. They're not stringing together any first downs, long drives. Um, They're not really running the ball or throwing the ball particularly well. And then the defense is just getting... Crushed, And they're giving up long possessions too. So they, you know, the defense has to get off the field and, and chips right about that.
1: You know what to me is the most, the most painful thing to watch right now. It's the quarterback play. It, it was again, good in the first half. And then it just, you know, it just, it just went away in the second half, which I feel like we've seen a lot of this season, uh, both with Gabbert and, and with Kaepernick and, then you look around the league and you see all these young guys, you know, that are that are doing well. You know, you see even like a Tyrod Taylor who who sat behind Joe Flacco for so many years and then finally got a shot in Buffalo. And now he's thriving. And you see Dak Prescott and you see Carson Wentz. And, you know, you, you see these guys out there that are young and, and, and are running NFL offenses and, and making them look good. And then you and maybe those guys just have a lot more talent around them. You know, I mean, obviously there's been the offensive line woes for the 49ers as well. They can't have their running back, their best player on the field, stay on the field. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to watch right now. And it's been hard to watch for, for a few weeks now. And we're going to continue to watch and they're going to Arizona this week. And it's going to be hard to watch David Johnson run for 250 yards, but I'm going to do it. And maybe we're going to see Andre Ellington, you know, rush for 100 yards as well because, you know, right now a fantasy team, and if you have any Arizona running backs, Chris Johnson's not even playing this game. I might start it. <laughs> yeah. You, how many yards you say for David Johnson? I think 250, yeah, I think is I, where I'm going.
2: I think the over under in Las Vegas right now is 3,000 yards.
1: Yeah, I'll take the under, but not by much.
2: But man, you, you, that's one of the big things. You just asked the question about how good are the, or how bad are the 49ers quarterbacks, and. That's one of the things I want to see is I want to see Chip Kelly draft a talented guy and have his guy and develop his guy because it's so hard to tell, like, what's going on. Are the the, the quarterbacks just that bad? Because you're right. You see guys stepping in and you're seeing late picks. You're seeing early picks stepping on other teams and look pretty good, even early in their careers, let alone guys who've had a chance to develop. And so it makes you wonder what exactly is going on here? And is it just a circular thing where the coaching's bad and the players are bad. So it's looking doubly bad. Or is it, uh, the players are just not there. And once they get some talent, then you're going to see them thrive under the system. It's really hard, man.
1: Yeah. And and, I mean, the Jeff Driscoll move, you know, they do draft a quarterback and he looks relatively decent in the preseason. and, And then they cut him and they sign Christian Ponder to their practice squad. And okay, that's fine. But okay. Maybe it's time we see Ponder now. You know, maybe he gets elevated to, to the starting, uh, you know, the, the, the dress team and, and he can actually take a few snaps out there because this team isn't going anywhere. You know, they're, they're obviously not going to be re-signing Colin Kaepernick next year for how much money he's going to be owed. Maybe there's some restructuring that happens or something to keep around. But I, I, I don't think that he will be on the team next year. I, I could see a scenario where neither him nor Gabbert are on the 49ers next year.
2: My guess is that neither one would be on the team next year, and maybe that's the reason Ponder is sticking around. They're going to need some kind of veteran that knows the system for next season. But that was curious at the beginning of the year to keep three veteran quarterbacks and and let the guy who you just drafted, even though he's only a six-round pick, but you let him go. I don't know. That was That was oddly curious, unless they really thought that they were going to be competing for something and they needed to make sure they had that yeah. third veteran or they saw so much in Ponder that they thought he was really something. Uh, well, maybe and, and, they
1: really thought that Driscoll was going to clear waivers and that they were going to sure. be able to sign him onto the practice squad. I'm
2: sure they all, I'm sure that factored in. I'm sure they thought that, but most teams only keep two quarterbacks anyways. And if they keep a third, it's definitely a developmental type of quarterback. So, uh, or there was something behind the scenes there with Driscoll where they just said, uh, yeah, they're like, this is not going to be the guy. So let's not worry about it. And if someone picks him up, who cares?
1: Right. I mean, he was a late round pick 6th round i mean it's not it's not the end of the world but you know when you just don't have a solid quarterback or a solid backup then you know you start thinking well where where did we go wrong and there's so many <laughs> answers to that question
2: so looking ahead week 10 we got the cardinals mm mm-hmm. 49ers are now 1 and 8 is that right 1 and 7 right 1 and 7 okay oh yeah with the bye week okay uh, let's see. Yeah, Cardinals. it's going to be 1-8 and eight after this week. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that I, I gave uh, Mike Davis a gold star for that goal line fumble. I, I, I don't want another win. Uh, the 49ers, the best thing yeah. for this team right now is whatever silver linings you can get with on the field performance, develop some guys and get the best pick possible. And the yeah. value of that pick, whether it's a really great player or you're trading down with it, either one is just every single pick matters so much.
1: So we talk about how historically bad the Niners have been. I mean, they've never lost more than nine straight. That, that's their losing streak record in the franchise. And, you know, this weekend's going to be eight straight. Next weekend at home against the Patriots, that's going to be nine straight. So then that at Miami game really comes into play. Is it, it going to be a record-setting day? I uh, mean,
2: Wait, so the record is nine right now? I believe so, Okay, yeah, nine, So nine they've never lost football. ten, and nine right. is the record. Ooh, so it's at never Miami. lost 10 in a row. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's tough against a team that's proven they can run the ball all of a sudden, and an East Coast early 10 a.m. game. It's going to be tough. I think this it's might be, be a the loss. Year. <laughs> let's, just,
1: let's call it, call I mean, it a spade a spade here. Yeah,
2: it's going to be. This is the year where they lose 10 straight. It's a. Okay. I mean, it's a record-settingly bad team right now. And for that to say that after what we saw last year under the Tom Sula 49ers that this is a worse team now is. Yeah. A massive bummer it's just and to a huge say that,
1: you know what nine weeks after week one where we were just like oh my goodness th- this team has a shot you know chip kelly's a genius jim o'neill knows what he's doing no <laughs> no this team could lose 15 straight
2: absolutely they absolutely could and i'd probably I, I i think they'll lose 15 straight more than i think they'll actually win a game to be honest right. with you uh, yeah. I, that's what I believe. And honestly, it's not, probably not the worst thing. It sucks rooting for your team to lose, but that's where I'm at right now. It's the best thing for the franchise, and you have to also have to uh, get rid of Trent Balky I think is obvious. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that the Fire balky banner didn't happen. What the hell? Uh, he was grounded, and apparently uh, the pilot was not available I wonder if maybe the Yorks or the Balky <laughs> Trent himself <laughs> was like, hey, I'll throw you down like extra cash if you don't fly this weekend.
1: I'll pay you twice as much. And I
2: would like to hear that. That would be hilarious if that's what happened, because that's pretty curious that all of a sudden they raise this money and the pilot's not available.
1: Interesting. <laughs> so
2: we'll see the next home game.
1: <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. I think we gotta get out of here. I think we gotta just head towards this Arizona loss.
2: Let's get out of here. Let's hope for another loss and some silver linings in between on the field. We're, we're, we're looking for development right now, and we're looking for the best draft pick possible. Uh, Deshaun Watson is officially going to enter the NFL draft. I don't think he's going to be a top-two pick, but that remains to be seen. Also, his teammate Mike Williams, one of the better uh, wide receivers in college football, a uh, height, weight, speed guy, very interesting guy I've really liked. Uh, for, for a number of years And in, in last year he hurt his neck Very early in the season So he came back from that He probably would have been in the draft last year uh, But he's really good Most likely a first round pick there So a couple of uh, first round guys And the, those names are going to start trickling in and, and players to look at Because it's all about the draft <laughs> For me I love the draft anyways But uh, you don't want to start looking the draft too early in the season But right now that's where we're at Draft picks and, and scouting players
1: You're exactly right
2: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Matt Barrows for joining us on the show once again. Thanks to uh, all our subscribers on iTunes and SoundCloud and everywhere. Our email, goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. Thank you, Nick. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BD Peacock. He is at Bay Area Wink. And we will talk to you
0: next time.
3: See you.
2: And next week we're going to have
1: a new president.
0: So I think we're going to win, and I think we're going to win maybe substantially. But let's just see what happens. (laughs) that's pretty radical (laughs) oh man i'm not liking the way this is looking